Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Satan has asked for permission for you to sift you as wheat. It's not there in the narrative, but I can just imagine what Peter's thinking to himself. You you didn't give him permission, did you, Jesus? Yeah, I did. You did? Why? Because in the end, it's going to be for your good, and it's going to be for my glory. I did give him permission to sift you as wheat, and boy, did he. And again, like with Job, Satan went right up to the line of that which he was given permission to do. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. It can often feel like Satan is out to get you, but don't think that you're so special. He's out to get everyone he can. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that Satan only has power that God allows him to have. He allows you to be sifted by the devil because he knows that the outcome will be for your benefit as well as for his glory. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and our text will be verses 13 through 20. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church there in Thessalonica, and by the Holy Spirit says, verse 13, and we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed, verse 15, the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out, a reference to Paul being driven out, ran out of Thessalonica when he was there, starting this church. Some believe only for three weeks before they ran him out of town. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Wow. Verse 17, but, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, and we're told parenthetically in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, 
Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but, interesting, Satan blocked our way. What? For what is our hope, verse 19, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I want to talk with you today about a really tough topic concerning spiritual warfare, specifically satanic attack, and namely that of why it is that oftentimes God will allow the devil and his demons to attack us as his people in this fallen world. You know, we're always going to this side of heaven be dealing with what I'll call the big three as a car guy. (laughs) The world, the flesh, and the devil. And there are those times when God allows the devil to attack us. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, it's important to understand that the enemy cannot so much as touch a hair on our head unless he has permission from God to do it. Seems that God has given him permission to touch a lot of hairs that once used to be upon my head, which is why I'm trying to overcompensate uh, enough of my problems. But the enemy can do absolutely no thing to us unless he first gets permission from God to do it. And here's the thing, God will never give the devil permission to do anything to us unless in the end it's for our good and his glory. If it's not for our good, no way, ain't going to happen. I know that's not proper English, don't email me. If it's for His glory and our good, He will give the enemy permission to attack, to block, if you will, as He did here with the Apostle Paul. One need look no further to the accounts in Scripture, like with Job in the Old Testament, I want to use the word intense. (laughs) It was such an intense study through that book of Job. But right out of the chute at the beginning of the book, we're told that Satan was roaming around the earth, and he apparently still has access to heaven, by the way, which is why there's going to be a new heaven for all eternity. But as he's there, God says to him, have you, I noticed you've been kind of, you know, roaming about throughout the earth. Did you happen to notice my servant Job? Oh, as a matter of fact, I have. That's why I'm here, by the way. I want to talk to you about him. I want to ask you for permission. Because here's the thing, God, The only reason Job is so righteous, the only reason Job serves you is because you just bless him. 
you prosper him. You want to make a bet? Not that God bets, (laughs) but I'll bet you, Satan would say, that if you raise your hand or let me mess with him and come against him and take from him, he'll curse you to your face. God says, you're on. But you can only do this. And of course, Satan goes right up to that line that God gave him permission to do. The whole book is about Satan attacking Job in unthinkable ways. Then there's Peter. Remember that account in the Gospels where Jesus and Peter are having this conversation, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, um, Satan has asked for permission for you to sift you as wheat. It's not there in the narrative, but I can just imagine what Peter's thinking to himself. You you didn't give him permission, did you, Jesus? Yeah, I did. You did? Why? Because in the end, it's going to be for your good, and it's going to be for my glory. I did give him permission to sift you as wheat, and boy, did he. And again, like with Job, Satan went right up to the line of that which he was given permission to do. In our text today, we see God allowing Satan not to sift Paul, not to take from Paul, but to block Paul. Why? Because of what it accomplished. God had a greater good. And though not exhaustive, I believe our text today provides us with three reasons as to why it is and when it is that God will give Satan permission to block us, attack us, oppress us, mess with us. And the first one is to turn us back to the Word of God and prayer. In verses 13 through 16, the Apostle Paul is connecting the dots, as it were, as it relates to the suffering and persecution there with the Thessalonian Christians. And it was really coming primarily from the Jews who were trying to make trouble, the very Jews that had driven Paul out of Thessalonica. And Paul is acknowledging to them, yes, I I know that they have persecuted you, They have afflicted you, but you know what that's caused you to do? It's caused you to embrace the Word of God for what it is, God's Word. Would you agree with me that when adversity strikes, Satan attacks, Satan blocks, that it has this much needed effect of drawing us back to the Lord, to His Word, and to prayer. That's what God accomplishes. So here's this fictitious account of Satan asking permission for you. He's stalking you, as we're told in the scriptures, like a lion, waiting for that optimum time to attack and strike, but he can't until he gets permission. So he goes and he asks God, hey, um, can I have permission to attack J.D.? 
And here's God looking at me saying, yeah, go ahead. You can do this because I know what He will do when you do that. He will fall to His knees on His face before me. You want to bet? (laughs) Watch Him. Oh, He'll get into the Word. He'll pray. He'll seek me. He'll draw near to me and me to Him. Go ahead. I give you permission. See, God knows that sometimes it takes both persecution and affliction to get our attention. I wish it were not so. You know, when things are going good, I, I'm i not in the Word as much. I'm not in prayer as much. I mean, things are going great. Thank you, Lord. But boy, let adversity strike. <laughs> you got my attention, Lord. Good. That's why I let Satan do that, to get your attention, to draw you back to me. I'm going to make a statement. I've mentioned this before. I've stated this before, and I think it bears repeating. And it's that persecution and affliction does not hinder the church. The opposite is true. It's the absence of persecution and affliction that will hinder the church. You want to grow the church? Persecute the church. The church will grow. We can ask our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that are under severe persecution. This is true for God's church collectively, and so too is this true for God's people individually. I think of David in Psalm 119, verse 67. Listen to what he says. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Lord, you had to bring affliction. You had to bring persecution. You had to bring adversity. You had to bring spiritual warfare. You got my attention now. I was, I was kind of going off, doing my own thing, getting busy and caught up with the cares and the affairs of this world. And then you gave the enemy permission to afflict me, to attack me, and it brought me back to you. It was good for me to be afflicted. It was? Yeah, it was a good thing. It was a God thing. It was good for me, and it was the glory of God. If it's good for me and it brings glory to God, God's going to do it. It was good for me to be afflicted. Why? So that I might learn your decrees. i got to learn a lesson. You know, I'm getting to the place, I've been walking with the Lord for 37 years plus now, and I'm finally, better late than never I guess, I'm finally getting to the place where when Satan attacks, adversity strikes, affliction happens, my first response, not my last resort, is, okay Lord, what do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want me to see? 
What do you want me to learn? Obviously you've allowed this to happen because you will never allow anything to happen to me. Not one hair fall from my head. You will never allow anything. So obviously this has happened. Why? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Is God's response. Here's why. I will learn things about the Lord that I could never otherwise learn absent the affliction and the spiritual warfare and the adversity. You know when things are going good, I don't learn. During times of prosperity, it's during times of adversity. That's when I learn. See, and I hate to say it this way, but you know what I mean when I say it. You know, God's got a problem. God doesn't have problems, but The problem is, is that we're prone to wander. It's a magnetic pull when it comes to the world, the flesh, the things of this world. I I oftentimes wonder if the reason why God called me into the ministry as a pastor and teacher is so that I would be forced to stay in His Word, because He knows what I'm prone to do. Even this last month, not being in the pulpit. Interesting. My time with the Lord took on a whole new meaning. My time in the Word, my time in prayer, so rich. I'm like, wow, Lord, I don't ever want this to end. To which he said, well, it has to end because you have to be back in the pulpit. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I've been just enjoying this, this time with you. And oh, I just, you've shown me so many things. He knows we're prone to wander. The story is told about that timeless and classic hymn of old, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And It's about wandering and going astray. One writer described it this way, It is an unfortunate turn of events when a young boy is forced to grow up without a loving father. Thus was Robert Robinson's fate. His dad passed away when he was only eight years of age. To make Robert's circumstances much more difficult, his maternal grandmother, uh, pardon me, grandfather, Robert Wilkin, a wealthy man who had never reconciled himself to his daughter's lowly marriage, disinherited his grandson and provided an inheritance for him of only ten shillings and sixpence. Even in his youth, he endured the hardship of having to be the breadwinner for his widowed mother and himself. As he grew older, he came under the influence of the famed evangelist George Whitfield. On December 10th, 1755, Robinson could not push from his mind a particular phrase used by Mr. Whitfield in one of his sermons. Oh, my hearers, the wrath to come, the wrath to come. Interesting, Paul talks about the wrath that will come upon the Jews who did this. He was wondrously converted and became a minister of the gospel, first in a Baptist church, then in a Methodist church, and later in other denominations. In one location, his congregation grew to 1,000 in attendance. Unfortunately, 
and for some unexplained reason, he became altogether unstable and unhappy. His Christian beliefs and training seemed of little importance to him. On one occasion, years later, he found himself the fellow passenger of a young lady on a stagecoach. It is reported that she began to sing to break the monotony of the trip. And what did she sing? Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. As she finished singing, The young woman asked Roberts what he thought about that song. His startling reply, Madam, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I had them, if I could feel now as I felt them. You might be here today, and it's been pretty rough, and it seems that God's given Satan permission to sift you, and you're sitting here in this church, sifted as wheat. (laughs) Don't despise it. Don't dismiss it. Embrace it. It's God's way of bringing you back to Him. Can I say it this way? He misses you. He loves you. He wants you back. He misses that time that you would, once upon a time, have with Him. That intimacy. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.